Amen, amen. Amazing singing choir this morning that sounded beautiful. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place today. And yes, our grade four, five, six students can gallop on back to their program there. Pastor Rebecca has amazing things in store for you guys as well. But powerful things for us to be able to declare together this morning. And I hope as we were singing those things, you were praying through them and allowing God to shape and mold and transform your heart as we sang those things together. But uh, as we turn to God's Word this morning, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Some of us already know what this passage might be. A very, very famous passage called the Shema, or at least part of it is. A very powerful part of the uh, story of the Israelites and a practice that they had in declaring it. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read 12 verses of this together today. It says this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards of olive and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the hand of slavery." Do we talk about God's law with our children? Do we talk about it when we sit at home? When we walk along the road, when we lie down to sleep? Is it written on our hearts? Bound on our hands, surrounding us in our homes, always at our fingertips. Because He has promised us if we keep His law and walk in relationship with Him, we will live. God's law is good and it gives life if we see and hear and obey. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, again, the Shema. What a powerful passage. God declaring to us the wonders of His purposes and His design, His teaching. In His ways. This morning we're going to be continuing our journey in our series studying the Word. And as we said at the, at the start of this journey, 
This is not new. We study Scripture every week. It's the foundation of what we're doing when we gather together, reading it, seeking understanding, seeking to know God and to hear Him speak. But in this series this year, we want to understand what God's Word is, what it's about. We want to see the beauty of God's Word, the power of God's Word, the authority of God's Word the comforting presence of His Word, the truth of His Word, and ultimately the reality of the Word made flesh, the presence of Jesus, the living Word, dwelling with us, speaking to us by His Spirit that we can know our Father and our Creator and what He desires for us. God's Word is good. It's a gift. And He's given it to us that we can know Him, know His nature and His purposes, His plans and His ultimate ends. The restoration of all things for His glory, that at His name, at the name of Jesus, the living Word, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the power of the Word. That is what God has given us in these pages. His words, His voice, speaking to us of these things that we can know and understand what it means to live. So we started this journey looking at the different parts of the Word, that it's broken into different pieces and comes together in different ways. The reality that while this is one book, all speaking together and working together, informing itself. It's still made up of lots of different parts, and we need to understand these different parts, the different ways that God is speaking to us so that we can understand more clearly what He is saying to us. The ways we speak and the things that we say carry very different meanings in different places. A stranger and a friend are going to understand us very differently, even if we say the same things. The same words convey different understanding in a joke and in an apology. The same words written in a poem or in a biography mean very different things. The way we write history or a love note are going to carry very different thoughts. And so it is with God's Word. In these pages we have history and poetry, law and teachings and worship, lament and grief and prophecy and wisdom, all conveying the same God, the same love, the same holiness and righteousness and grace and purpose, but in very different voices and different ways, different styles and patterns. We need to understand them if we want to understand what God is trying to speak to us. It's a wonderful challenge and a wonderful invitation into relationship. Because really, if we want to understand what someone means when they speak to us, we must understand the speaker. So much meaning is conveyed in relationship. How differently do you read a letter from a lawyer or from a friend? So much is understood in our friend's turn of phrase, the memory there that we share that they're alluding to, the experience that we shared. 
We understand God's Word in relationship with Him and with one another in the Spirit. Sharing His Word together and growing in understanding together. It's beautiful. And it's exciting. And it's messy. Once again, as we said last week, it involves other people. And other people are really other people sometimes, aren't they? But we have to walk together and we have to be vulnerable together. And that gets messy, but God is good and His Word is true and He is speaking to us together. And so we began this study a few weeks ago with history, talking about the different ways that God shares history in His Word, the stories that God has recorded for us of the ways that He has walked with people and worked in the world. We saw amazing things revealed in their stories and in their lives. And now over the last couple of weeks, we've come to the law, a part of God's Word where He lays out His teaching to us, where He establishes His authority and declares His meaning to us, His design and purposes for our lives and the way that He means things to work, the right way for things to be. And last week as we began this, we saw that there were kind of two parts to God's law, the ways He's revealed Himself. There's the natural law and the given law, the law of creation and the written word, what we call natural revelation and special revelation. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Romans chapter 1, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God has revealed Himself in the world all around us through the things He has made, His love, His power, and His presence. His authority and intention and design is all evident in creation, apparent to us, speaking to us so that we can know Him and understand Him and live according to His will. And that's a powerful testimony, a mighty witness to our God. We can understand Him from what has been made. But He didn't leave us there. He gave us more, so much more. And in His Word, He laid out everything we need to understand life and love and relationship and worship. God's law, His will given to us that we can know what it means to walk with Him, our Father and our Creator, our God and our King and our Friend. The law is a powerful tool, and it's an important part of Scripture. It lays out for us the nature of our relationship and the nature of worship. And it began right at the beginning in the garden. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. God says, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female He created them. God is establishing order and structure, His law, right off the bat. God blessed them and said to them, now He's telling them how things are meant to work. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth 
and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit, fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, again, God's law, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God's law. He is establishing it here in the beginning, the borders and boundaries of life and relationship. Responsibilities and blessings, right ways to live. Obey and live in this way. And it was good. His will is good. His law is good. And the interesting thing to note here in this beginning, in the beginning of this passage, this is the first and last time that God gives His law without a specific promise attached after this. Every time God laid out His law, it would come with a promise. Do these things and I will bless you. You will live. I will be with you. I will protect you, defeat your enemies. All kinds of different promises, but not here. Because here, Adam and Eve, humanity was living in the fullness of relationship with God. There was nothing more for him to give. Obey and enjoy full and whole and free connection and relationship with your creator for all eternity. Explore everything. Go, build, create, multiply, fill the whole earth. Go, do, be with me forever. If we would obey and submit. In this one thing, infinite joy was available to us in everything we could possibly imagine and do for all eternity. God's law was freedom and life, but there was no more to give because we were already in full relationship with our Father. But after the fall, God's law started to change, it got more complex, it got longer and more detailed, and it always came with promise. Because now there was more we needed. Deuteronomy chapter 6 these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord. As long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you. And so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So that you may enjoy long life, so that it may go well with you, so that you may increase greatly as God has promised. God's covenant and law is given to Noah and to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to Moses and Joshua and Saul and David and Solomon and Nehemiah rebuilding the city and all the kings to follow. And it always comes with promise. 
You'll have a son. You will be the father of a great nation. All the nations of earth will be blessed through you. You will enjoy long life. I will give you the land. I will provide for you. I will protect you for my name's sake. You will be my people and I will be your God. And if you obey my law, you will be blessed to a thousand generations. God's law isn't about behavior. It's about relationships. And it began with a command about a tree and grew as our need grew to encompass every aspect of life, food laws and purity laws, laws about money and land and property and business, laws about marriage and family and relationship, laws about health and disease and community and conflict, growing more and more complex because Sin brought brokenness, and brokenness made life more complicated. Made people more and more complicated. Made relationship more and more complicated. And God sees us. He sees our need, and He loves us. And still, with all we've done, and with all we've made the world to be, He desires relationship with us. And so He gives us His law. He revealed to us His will so that we can relate to Him. And so when there are pages and pages and pages of seemingly boring details and laws all through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and rereading the law in Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and the Psalms and the Proverbs and the prophets reiterating and recalling the law and we get bored and we want to skip it and we don't want to see the point. We have to remind ourselves all of those verses, all of those chapters, all of those whole books or how badly God desired relationship with us. And how far we had fallen that it became so complicated for a perfect and holy and righteous God to relate to us. That as we fell further and further away, He reached out further and further to us in love and grace and mercy. That as we wandered farther away from the garden, the perfect place He had created for us. He built more and more bridges for connection back to us. Making paths for every new chasm our sin created between us and our Father. And it still all wasn't enough. Never could be. The law grew and grew and more and more is added. And His people then added even more. The Mishnah and the Talmud, huge works expanding on the law in a thousand, thousand directions and details. More and more complicated as the people of God struggled to reconnect to their Creator. All futile. Every sacrifice, every feast, every offering, every effort, all not enough. All pointing to Jesus. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. 
Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of His fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He is the head of the body, the church the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Amen. We read these passages last week as well, and now we see the fullness of what God is speaking to us here, the law of nature and the law of revelation born together in the person of Jesus, physically the living Word, making peace for us physically and spiritual by His physical death, His blood shed, His body broken, suffering unto death and being raised again to new life, transforming reality itself, overcoming sin itself, physically, spiritually, eternally for us. The law was God's gift and tool for relationship. And in Jesus, the law is fulfilled and made real. The law and relationship embodied in the person of Jesus given for us. And so far from being freed from the law, He has raised the standard even higher. As He tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God's will has not changed. And His holiness and righteousness are unchanged. And the requirements to connect with Him are the same as they have ever been. But no longer is the law outside of us. A standard towards which we strive and strain. But His very Spirit living in us. Justifying us. Sanctifying us. 
glorifying us by His presence alive in us. The law is God's gift to us and He meant for His people who were given His law to be a witness to the whole world to show them and tell them of the power and love and grace and presence of God. The author of life and the creator of all. And he gave them his law that their lives and their worship would declare to all people who he is and what he is doing. Now through the blood of Jesus, he's given us his spirit alive in us to continue that mission. Placing that purpose that the law was meant to fulfill, restored relationship with God right in our hearts by His presence there. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. God's law is good. And in Jesus, His law is fulfilled and made alive in us that the world may know that God is love. Are we ready to live the law of God? Do we want to? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You again for Your Word. We thank you for the things that you are revealing to us about your nature and your purposes. We thank you for the structure that you have built into the world, that things move and work according to your will, according to your purposes, according to your law. And so God, as followers of Jesus, we submit to you, we invite the work of Jesus into our hearts, the living word. We can embody your presence in that way. Your holiness and righteousness given to us, not earned, never worthy. But because of Jesus, we have it. And so God, we want to walk in accordance with your word. We want to walk in accordance with your will. We can show the world how we are meant to live, what you have made and how it's supposed to work what relationship with you looks like. And so, God, we pray your grace. We pray your mercy on us when we fail, when we walk in selfishness and division. God, we pray peace and unity in this body and in your church around the world, that together we can show the world what it means for your spirit to be alive in your people, for your word to be alive in your people. Come, Lord Jesus, and do your work in our hearts and through us. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen.